Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you ever wonder why some things are in the Bible and other things are not? I, I sometimes ask myself that question. In fact, it's, it's one of the interesting ways in which we interpret Scripture, is to ask ourselves, so why was this included in the Scriptures when there are lots of other things that were not included in the Scriptures? And it allows our minds to kind of think through some things. I particularly think that when I look at the Gospel of Mark, because Mark's Gospel is by far the shortest of all the Gospels. And it's his intent that he says at the beginning is to help people understand who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. And so everything in Mark's gospel is leading people toward that. And so everything Mark puts in this very brief gospel must be primary and central to helping every reader understand this is who Jesus is. And that's what intrigues me about coming to chapter 10 of Mark's gospel. And we find this story of Jesus and the children. Now, children in, in our day are, you know, we're, we're pretty, we feel have a sort of a sentimentality toward children in our day. Children have a level of value in our world. But in the first century, that was not necessarily the case. In much of the ancient world... Children were desired and children were wanted, but they weren't placed on a pedestal like we tend to do. Children in the ancient world tended to be uh, pushed aside. They tended to be uh, good for what they could do for the family. They tended to be valued for what they could bring in. And, and many children uh, in many places of the world were, were, if they weren't wanted, they were just thrown out. There were very few laws, if any, to protect children. They were basically on their own unless their family kept them. And even within families, sometimes circumstances were bad. And the disciples in this scenario seemed to be emulating the culture, the society. These children are brought in. The text tells us that people bring the children to Jesus and the disciples rebuke them. They say, get them out of here. Jesus doesn't have time for children. Jesus doesn't, can't waste his time on children. They're not important. As Heidi said in, in her children's sermon, the children really don't bring anything to Jesus. They don't enhance Jesus' life in any way. And the disciples are thinking, if it doesn't enhance Jesus' life, then it's not important. And we need to push them aside. And Jesus steps in and says, wait a second, that's not what my kingdom is about. And he's angry with them. And he says, let the children come. And that scenario, in my mind, as I think about what's the road sign that, that fits with that scenario, I, I think it's the road sign school zone. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, the school zone signs that we run across are there in order to get us to pay attention to the children. 
We're paying attention to children who are stopping for buses. We're paying attention to children that are crossing streets. We're paying attention to children that are walking on the sidewalks. We're just paying attention to children. And the school zone signs get our attention and tell us, pay attention. There are children here. They're important. And I think that's the message that Jesus is sending here about the kingdom. Children are important. And while the disciples say, you know, children are a waste of time, Jesus doesn't say that at all. What I find fascinating is that Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. This is where the kingdom is headed. And you think about the ministry and the life of Jesus, and story after story after story is about people who are, would be put in the same category in society as children. You think about the time that the, the uh, religious leaders come to Jesus and they say, why are you eating with those people? Why are you hanging out with those people? And Jesus says, because the kingdom's about those people. The kingdom is about people who are vulnerable. The kingdom's about people who are easily cast aside by culture. And I think Jesus is not, Jesus isn't saying these are the only people that are valuable. He's simply making a statement that in a, in a society and in a culture that does not value them, Jesus says the kingdom does. They're important. And it doesn't matter if they can bring value to us or not. It doesn't matter if, if, they, if we feel like they are bringing something to us that we couldn't get otherwise. That's not the point. Because they are, they are valuable. Because they exist, they are valuable. Now, that doesn't mean that um, the children can't be frustrating sometimes. I read something this week about, uh, it was one of those days for this first grade school teacher. This was even before all the stuff with the coronavirus. And she had 37 first graders. It poured down rain all day, so they were trapped in their room all day. They couldn't go outside, and it was exhausting. And all the kids were ornery, and, and she, she was getting ornery, and it was just, you know, it was, and nobody was more anxious for that bell to ring at the end of the day than the teacher was, I guarantee you that. And so she looked out at 245, and it was still pouring down rain, so she realized she had to get all the, all the kids ready. So she had all the right coats on the right kids, and the right hats and gloves for the right kids, and the right boots for the right kids. And so she had them all done, everybody was ready except for one little boy, and she could not get his boots on. And she worked and worked and worked and worked to get pulled and tugged and yanked. And you know how you try to do that, shoving and pushing. And finally, they went on. And the little boy said to her, hey, teacher, know what? She said, what? She goes, these aren't my boots. <laughs> it's like, you know, it took all of her energy to say, ah. She said, I, she said a little prayer. And she knelt back down and worked at getting them off. And he went through the same process of pulling and yanking and tugging, finally they came off. And the little boy said to her, you know what, teacher? These are my sister's boots, and sometimes she lets me wear them. <laughs> you know, sometimes you feel like this in the car, right? All these things, I'm bored, why? Where do babies come from? You know, all, all these things that, that, you know, children can be frustrating to us. And Jesus knows that, but it doesn't matter. 
People can be frustrating to us, and Jesus knows that, and it doesn't matter because in the kingdom, everyone has value whether they are frustrating or not. Because here's the honest truth. There's somebody in the world, I know it's hard to imagine, that would look at us and say they're frustrating. And Jesus says, you who are frustrating are as welcome in the kingdom as the people that you think are frustrating too. That's what the kingdom is about. And so, Jesus, but Jesus not only says the kingdom belongs to these, he says, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. And the reality is, when you think about whether letting children or hindering children, the truth of the matter is, and quite frankly, others who are, might, society might put in a similar category, we can either be bridges or walls. We can be walls that, that keep people away from Jesus, or we can be bridges that, that make it easy for people to come to Jesus. You, all you got to do is read through the Gospels, and you see people who are walls, preventing people from coming to God. And then you see people, Jesus, and you get into the book of Acts and the New Testament and the disciples, and you see people who are bridges for Jesus. And Jesus is calling us as his people, as his image bearers, if we're to be people who let the children come to him. You know, as I'm pondering this story, I'm thinking to myself, so why are the children coming to Jesus? I, I think this is a spontaneous thing that took place. I don't, think, I don't think it went out on the news, hey, at 2 o'clock on Saturday, Jesus is going to be down at the mall, bring your children. I think they heard that Jesus was around and they couldn't wait to get to him. And Jesus welcomes them. Why do they come to Jesus? Because something in them says Jesus will welcome children. And I think Jesus is saying to us, there ought to be something about us that people look at us and say, those people welcome children. Those people welcome people that society doesn't welcome. That's a place where people, where everybody who's there, everybody who comes, everybody who lives is welcome and wanted and, 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 is, and is invited to be a part of it. And we become a bridge rather than a wall. It's the calling of the kingdom. But there is also this thing about hindering the children that Jesus takes very seriously. Earlier in the ninth chapter of Mark, Jesus says that, he talks about the children there as well. And one of the things he says is that if any of you make these little ones stumble, you'd be better off to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into a lake. Jesus takes this seriously. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I rode a school bus a number of years of, of my life as a child. And I remember school buses, the, all the things around them were pretty simple. There was a stop sign that came out when the door was open. And, and there was also a, uh, you know, a couple flashing lights on the back. But now I've noticed that buses are very different. The stop sign has the lights all over it. And there's a bar that sometimes come out, comes out across the front of the bus. And the bus has a bazillion lights flashing on it. And I'm thinking, I was asking myself the other day behind a bus, why do they need all of that? And the reason is because there are estimated 15 million people 
in a 180-day school year that drive around stop school buses. Can you imagine? 15 million people who come up to a bus that stopped and children are getting on and they just drive around it. That's why they need the lights and the flashing things and everything they possibly can to, to get people to stop. Why do they do that? Because they're trying to protect the children. And Jesus is saying we have a responsibility not just to welcome them, to, but to protect them. To be a place of safety for them. And that's why as God's people we care about the unborn. That's why as God's people we care about children after they're born. That's why we invest ourselves in Royal Family Kids Camp. And that's why we've taken all the security measures here in the church that we take. Because the, we, we have a responsibility from God to protect people who cannot protect themselves. There is no one, no human being more vulnerable than a child. And the kingdom of God is a place where the vulnerable are protected. And we take that seriously. And we work with them and we teach them. And it's not just that we welcome them, it's how we welcome them. I love the 16th verse here. It is one of my favorite verses in all the Gospels where after Jesus you know, tells the disciples to let them come, he then, it says, he takes the children in his arms and put his hands on them and bless them. I suspect we could meditate on that picture for a long time. That's not just welcoming them. That's embracing them. That's loving them, caring for them. I'd love to know what the conversation was that Jesus had with the children. I suspect not one of those children turned to Jesus and said, so could you explain to me the plan of salvation? I expect that a lot of the conversation probably sounded a lot like that picture we saw in the car. Jesus, is your beard real? Why does your nose look like that? Why did you say that? That's a funny-looking robe. Do you know what my mom did yesterday? You know, all these things that children just say. And I think Jesus loved it. And I suspect the disciples were sitting back listening to this thinking, what a waste of time. Jesus, we have important people to see and important things to do. And Jesus is in essence saying to them, really, what's more important than this? What's more important than this? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And somehow that mindset has to get into us. Because it's not just about how we treat children. It's about becoming like children. Because Jesus not only says the kingdom of God belongs to these. He says, unless you become like a child, you cannot receive the kingdom of God. Think about that for a moment. Unless you become like a little child, you cannot receive the kingdom of God. And I love the fact that he says you cannot receive the kingdom. What he's saying is you're not ready to receive the kingdom. 
Because we don't grasp the kingdom. We don't earn the kingdom. We don't go out and get the kingdom. We receive the kingdom. We receive Jesus. And Jesus says, you're never ready to receive the kingdom until you become like a little child. That's why the school zones are so important, because it stops us and reminds us we need to be like little children. And what does it mean to be, a little, to be like a little child? I don't think he's talking about things like being gullible and ignorant. I think he's talking about being open. I think he's talking about being sensitive. I think he's talking about having this this contentment in Jesus. It's about obedience. It's about submission. It's about transparency. You know, the kind of thing where children go next door and say, you know what my mommy said about you yesterday? You know what my daddy said about his boss at work as the boss is sitting there? You know, it's that kind of transparency that children don't even, it's until we teach children about some of these things, they're just so open and transparent. And yeah, sometimes they say the wrong things, but you love that transparency and that openness and that honesty. And there's something about them that they can't wait to get to Jesus. What better image of what it means to receive the kingdom than a mindset that says, I can't wait to spend time with Jesus. I think it's one of the things that, that we're trying to do in the, in the contemplative service that we're having this Thursday night. It's stopping and, and like coming into a school zone and stopping and saying, this is a chance to spend time with Jesus. Just be present with him and yearn for him and have that kind of contentment in being in Jesus' presence. What an, what an amazing picture of what it means to become like little children. And here's the thing that struck me this week. I was reading through Hans Urs von Balthasar's little booklet entitled, Unless You Become Like This Child. And something struck me as I was reading through that. That maybe the reason Jesus is so, so concerned about not only the way we treat children, but out of that becoming children is because when you think about the life of Jesus, the one mark that he uses and the gospels use to identify him more than anything else, it seems to me, is being the child of his father. At his baptism, Mark says he comes up out of the water and he hears a voice and it says, this is my beloved son. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, this is the Messiah. He says, this is my beloved son. When Jesus prays in the garden near the end of his life, he says, Abba, Father, if this cup may pass from me. And all throughout his life, you read over and over and over again where Jesus says, I do what my father tells me to do. I hear the voice of my father. I follow the lead of my father. I say what my father tells me to say. You see it over and over and over again where Jesus connects his coming and his life to being the child of his father. And Jesus doesn't just come like a child. He comes as a child. As I heard someone say not too long ago, maybe the reason he does that is because God doesn't ever ask us to do anything in symbol that he himself hasn't already done in reality. 
And Jesus comes as a child and then says to us, unless you become like a child, but he's really saying, unless you become like him, you can't receive the kingdom of God. You're not ready. We're becoming like Christ. And it goes against the grain of so much of what we think because we think becoming like Christ is great accomplishments. We think becoming like Christ is, 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 is great success. In fact, we often think becoming like Christ is becoming less like a child. But Jesus seems to be saying to us with his words and his life, it's becoming more and more like a child in surrender and openness and a passion and a yearning and a, and a recognition of need for our Heavenly Father. I'm convinced that we will never come to that place until we begin to believe that our Heavenly Father is who He says He is. That we are His dearly beloved children and that He loves us with an everlasting love that we are important to Him and that when we come to Him it's never wasting His time. It's what he wants. It's what he loves. It's what the kingdom is about. And when we slow down, and that's why we need to slow down for, for school zones. That's why we, we ought to be looking for school zones instead of trying to avoid them. Because every time it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us who other people are. But most of all, it reminds us who he is. Our loving Heavenly Father. It struck me this week something interesting in the beginning of John's gospel. In chapter 1, John is writing about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And he describes the, the, who, who Jesus is. And you come to verse 11 and 12, and he says, he says that uh, he came to his own and they rejected him. They received him not. But then he says, but to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave them the right. He gave you the right and me the right to become children of God. question for us this morning is, do we believe it? Do we believe in the great privilege of being God's children? And in that privilege and in that experience, recognizing that this is the pathway to joy in our journey. As we live that, and share that through the grace of Christ. Holy Father, we thank you. Thank you for this great gift you've given us. Let us see it and experience it and receive it 
through the mercy of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.